space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. Dragon! Doctor Week! Yay! I know we're on a Star Trek podcast, but come on, 60 tomorrow. No, it is. It's Doctor Who week. But it is really to honour, especially yeah. to honour Doctor Who week, we've gone back to the Dominion War. How's that Yay. for a segue, hey? <laughs> <Yeah>. You are. <laughs> come, on. come on, let's face it. The um, That first baddie, which uh, Tim Shaw, which uh, Jody was against, were basically the Gemadar. So, you know. To there be fair, you go. To be fair, both these stories that we're covering do feature the Doctor quite, quite prominently. There you go. Yeah, and I always enough. thought, I always thought Alexander Siddig had made a good doctor. I mean, he still I would. He was. I agree. I agree. Yeah, he'd but, be great. Um, yeah. So there we go. That's our link. In fact, who else? Had it? In fact, all the cast of DS9 would be a good doctor, really. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I st- like, call me prejudice, call me whatever you want. Has to be a British actor, which Alexander Siddig counts as because he's got every nationality i think going at Very this rate yeah uh me I'll, I'll accept irish i don't know why that seems like close yeah. enough well, that's I, think, British. I think since we've had no, no, he's, um, and, and that you can no, have irish yeah and he's republic of ireland irish though so he's not british it's still part of the I british isles it's yeah, no, again, again i allow i'm just saying yeah. it's like yeah, yeah, we might get in a bit of trouble saying that Southern Ireland is British. I'm just of saying, course. I, just, no, I, British British Isles. I yeah, meant yeah, the British Isles. Awesome. And there we go. We've been cancelled. Two minutes in, boom, he makes a faux pas. Anyway, we are looking at the episodes. One little ship, which the TARDIS is a little ship on the outside. Sure. So there you go. And yeah, the episode... Nice the episode... Change of heart, and we know the doctor has two hearts which change whenever they regenerate. So, and, and what is love but two hearts in, in, in one sink? There you go. So, we could not have picked two more perfect episodes for this 60th anniversary week of Doctor Who, and perfect for Doctor Who. In one of them, the doctor's better used than another. <laughs> there we are, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we'll start off then with One Little Ship, which is the, what's that film with Dennis Quaid? Inner Space. Inner Space. Yeah. This episode is like one of those, it it doesn't do a lot to drive the story forward. No. It's always been one of my guilty little pleasures is this episode. I just find it really good fun, the whole concept of it. You know what, I I love it. I find it silly fun. The only thing I want is more little ship and less of the 10 minutes leading into it. Like, I'm sorry, that was a... Tw- yeah. Like, I never noticed before watching it this time how long it takes to get to, like, mini ship. I want that straight from the get-go. And I think... I mean, we'll we'll get to the bit a little bit later as we're going through, but the problem I had with this episode, and I get why they did it, but they, they do that whole thing where they're like, well, I'll have to beam a particle of air in because... If you're too small, yeah. you won't be able to process the air particles. And 
And I get that because that's something that's always a problem with miniaturization episodes. And they're obviously thought we'll deal with that head on and we'll deal with it scientifically. But the fun of miniaturized episodes is where you get little people walking across props that are huge. I wanted more of that. Yes. Like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, that one that used to be on Channel 4 on a Sunday, Land of the Giants. Land of the Giants. I love it. That was basically a whole show premised on we'll have somebody walking past an enormous paperclip. Yeah. And that that's what I wanted to see more of, like I'm running under chairs and uh, let's face uh, it, 80s um sorry, I, I was just gonna say quickly, 80s um Honey I Shrunk the Kids has a lot to owe to um Land of the Giants, very clearly. Absolutely oh, it does, yeah. Like what what it is though, like a lot of this is budgetary because if you're me you either do it where you're doing green screen, and back then, even doing the green screen on them effects was quite expensive. Oh yeah, and it can look a bit, it can look a bit ropey sometimes doing it with TV budgets, or you're building huge props that they're never going to use again, and they like to be able to reuse stuff as much as possible. All I'm going to say true. is, you already had it flying around. They had a ship flying around. Would it have hurt them to have had a cat which had broken on board, which could have swiped at it? You know, there I mean, you, it's like a, you could have even done it as a cross save. You could have had the cat being spot. Why not? Could Odo have turned into a cat or no? Because if Odo had been on the ship, he could have intimidated the Jemadar. So, yeah, that makes sense why he's not. And, and like, you know, again, the 10 minute thing I will bring up again, only because. It's called One Little Ship. Like, it's not like it's a mm-hmm. reveal that they're in a smart, tiny ship. But when they 10 minutes in, you finally see them being small. They go, oh, my God. It's like I, I saw because I, admittedly, obviously, we've each watched this episode so many times. Like it, like Elliot, I love this episode, too. But for Christ's sake, I mean, by 10 minutes, I was like, did we not already get this yet? For Christ, really? <laughs> like, they are, some, yeah. they are some silly things in the start, at the start of it. Like, this is a scientific mission. It's been explained to them. And I can understand Kira a bit finding it funny what's happening to them, but she has no concept of what size they're going down to. <laughs> and and it's the worst, uh, like, don't get me wrong, Star Trek is replete with examples of shite laughing acting. Yeah. And for some reason, they love to give it to Kira. Like, she has quite a few really bad examples, yeah. and I think this might be the worst. She's, I'm yeah, really she's glad. She's herself backwards and forwards to a yeah. degree no one's ever done in the history of laughter. I'm really, really glad you raised that because it, it usually it's me and I have to apologise and I have to always caveat it by saying I think Nana Visitor is an absolutely brilliant actor, but she cannot do laughing. And every time Kira has to laugh, it, it, it it's this and it's rubbish. And I'm not saying that she shouldn't have a sense of humor. Of course, the character should be well-rounded, but it's a character mm-hmm. which has been brought up in war. Like, it, you know, she's she's only known to, to live for survival. And she is given the goofiest sense of humor at the things no one finds funny. And maybe it's just, maybe she's psychologically broken. I don't know what it is, but it's like, that, it never seems to fit the episode. The- Maybe it's because of all the war why she's psychologically broken. Yeah, that's what I am. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe that's it, yeah. That's Uh, what I'm going with, is that she's so traumatised by the war and everything that she no longer has a natural laugh and she has to affect this laugh. So it's actually a brilliant bit of acting that she's letting us know that Kira 
doesn't laugh naturally. She only laughs in this unnatural way that she's had to learn as a behaviour because of the oppression of the Cardassians. I love Nana as an, act, as an actress, and if I'm quite happy to go with that with her reasoning. That's that it. Oh, I mean, again, she's great. There's nothing against her. She's a wonderful actor. No, she is. Um, she just can't laugh. Yeah. Well, she much like um, uh, Keiko, I think. Well, I mean, Keiko just always got badly written as just the shrew moaning wife, which is just such a bad stereotype. And I'm glad Star Trek's done better since. But I think kind of like, yeah, they didn't know what to do with Kira when she wasn't in war a lot of the time. When she wasn't in battle. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, they played romance with her pretty well. But humour, they never really, I don't think, nailed Yeah, yeah they were... The- they were good at uh, doing arguments between her and O'Brien, but you can't have a relationship for seven plus years because we also had TNG. That's just built on arguing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, exactly. with Keiko, yeah. With Keiko, true. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Kira's laughing. Worf is writing a poem, which is... Uh, I love the poem at the end. <laughs> yeah, the poem at the end is very good. In fact, two great episodes for Worf's sense of humour, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah that is true. true. Um, and then... I, this... I do like that um, Nog covers for him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and and you know that Worf respects Nog as a warrior. This Like, that's what I love. Like, he is... Nog has come on so far that Wolf, the one who had been the holdout, if he smelt even a, a whiff of kind of Ferengi deception on him, if he's accepted, you know that, that Nog's completed yeah. his journey and it's, yeah. it's flawless the way they do it. I'm always such a big fan of Nog's, Nog's arc in the show. Oh, yeah. Um, now, the reason we're covering the episode is because the antagonists are the Jem'Hadar, the Jem'Hadar attack. And there's a real, I think, a potentially really interesting plot thread that's raised here and we never ever touch on again, which is this idea that because the wormhole is inaccessible now, they're having to start to breed the Jem'Hadar in the it Alpha does, Quadrant. It does get touched on again because does there's it? Late, yeah, I because it late, did in one yeah, because those. later on the uh, destroy the cloning uh, centers. Oh, they they destroy the cloning centers, but no, the the thing I'm getting at is this idea of there being this antagonism between so the between, Gammas and yeah, the Alphas. I, one of them mentioned. I, d- I don't ever recall it being raised again. We'll, if it is, I we'll come across re- it. I don't think it's raised like this again. Oh, it's not. I thought it was one no, other episode. It, I didn't think it was made much, but yeah, fair yeah, enough. It, it feels like this could have been something, something. This could have been something really good, and it's almost like I think there was just so much more going on with what mm. they had to wrap up with the story. How the, that they didn't want to be rushed with wrapping up the story. It was like. Do we really need to bring another dynamic into yeah. the story? It's like, this could be, do we really need that? And I think it's sort of like, no, they didn't. And that's why it's. I wonder, I wonder if at some point the idea was mooted of maybe in the closing stages of the war, could we have the Gamma Jem'Hadar turning against the rest of the Dominion be, and being yeah. like, you've pushed us out in favour of these Alpha ones. Actually, I thought, I, actually, from how the Alphas acted, I thought it might have been more the Alphas. Or maybe them. the Alphas, yeah, maybe because a faction the Alpha, of Jem'Hadar. Because, yeah, because you had, like, 
because we see through this, like, we get it late when they're handing out the wine to the helpers go, we don't need to sh- to, to swear an oath. Yeah, we don't need anything. the ceremony. We don't need the ceremony. We, we prove our loyalty by our actions. And it's like, mm. no, the Jemadara bred that, they said the oath because that's how the... Yeah, it's, it, I, it I, could have had fun with it. To your point, to one of your or both your points about the kind of like, I mean, I would love to have seen, like if we had infinite time on Deep Space Nine, I would love to have seen an infight between them. But I think they just had so much to do. And if yeah. you have a war between the Jemadars, like which you could do in a book or something, which I think you could still explore. But if you do it in the series that like, how do you bring the Federation into that? How do you not make the Federation and their allies too powerful against the Dominion because they're infighting? Mm. I can see why they didn't do it, but like, I, w- I mean, I would love to have seen it, but I get why they didn't. Yeah, I think, I think you'd save it till the end and it would have had to have been the Jemadar that turned against the Dominion, not the Cardassians. And the Cardassians doing it is a far more interesting story. So I'm glad they went yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel... Yeah, I think, I, this feel is one like... of those, I think this is one of those really interesting ideas and I just thought, we have so many other things going on. Yeah. How do you fit it in? I yeah. agree. Because okay. yeah. uh, like, they'll have known season seven was last season. And look on, we have all this going on. We have X, Y, Z. We know where it's going. This is a really cool idea somebody's had. And it makes sense that they have to bring Jemadar in the Alpha Quadrant. It does. Because of what's happened with Wormhole. And they could have been exactly the same, not altered with what they're doing with them, but they've been altered. The genetic code has been altered as well, the programming. I'll, I'll also add into that that I think that. Um, uh, I forget what I was going to go with that. Sorry. Yeah, move on. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I, I love the... Sorry, no, I do not <laughs> I, I love the fact that even though this is only used in this thing, the plot, the, it's such a strong B-plot. And the way you can have it, because you've got literally the little ship inside the big ship, <laughs> like you can have the two plots interweaving nicely, but they do also stand up on their own feet. And it also gives a drive for what they... like. Yeah, okay. As I say, I would have happily watched that little ship just going around like for the whole episode. However... Yeah. It gives you more of an episode if they're then helping them to achieve their mission on the outside. So it's like it kind of felt very rascals in that way from uh, TNG. Uh, yeah, it did a bit. Yeah. yeah, I love that. So yeah, the the tiny ship then. So the, there's a bit of fun where they're talking about oh, O'Brien's on about getting shrunk. And it's oh well, actually you're closer to the epicenter of the thing, so you yeah. were shrunk a yeah, little you're bit. Yeah, you're sat forward than me, so you shrunk by this much more. Did, 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 is it just me who won re- a really childish moment after they got hit? Like after they realised the Jemadars out there, and um, uh, uh, it's Bashir goes kind of flying to the other side. I just want O'Brien, even in the middle of that, to be just petty enough to go. It's like, ah, you're short now. Anyway, let's attack the Jemadars. Yeah, that'd have been good. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted yeah. to be a three-year-old about it, like really. And this, do, like, this is something that I think is really good in this episode. It's so and the next episode, and it's the the banter between O'Brien and Bashir. Yeah, so, and we've said it before. The the writing of these two, the relationship, is probably one of the best male friendships that's been written on TV. Yeah, ever. yeah. I'll even add in to, in this one. I really like the fact that they're bouncing off each other, but like with Dax in the mix as well. Come on, yeah. the three of them are just gold <laughs> together. The only thing which is really weird is if you watch the episode, other than the first bit where 
um, Julian does go flying across the screen or, you know, staggering across the screen to the other panel. Every time they get hit, um, Bashir's just leaning over and he does not get moved once when they get hit. Like if you, when they go back every time, they're talking really intensely, but no one's moving as if they've been hit, which yeah. is a Star Trek staple. When you get hit, you jump, you jump. to the left, jump to the right. Yeah, well, especially if you stood up, but it's like not one reaction. He learned his lesson if he got pinged across the whole thing. So that's it. He's, he's not going to make the same mistake again. <laughs> just, 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 there's no way that he isn't getting jolted around where you're standing. That's True. what I'm saying. But and it's worth it for all the... Yeah, I mean, like, uh, another thought that you've... Yeah. Obviously, Fair you've got... Dax is, yeah. <laughs> Dax is always a bit of an antagonist, which is really... Not, like, she always uh, takes a piss joke. And just... And, and it's also nice because where um, Bashir was so energetic earlier on, this is kind of like in this and the next episode uh, because it's post, I think post is kind of like genetic reveal. Oh yeah. It does seem, um, he's just so much calmer, so much more focused. And it's like almost like a bit grumpy at times, which is quite nice. Like and very, you know, sardonic. It's just nice. It's like like, uh, when they're going in and he's he's telling uh, O'Brien how much shorter is. He goes, yeah, you're uh, one point so many meters closer than me, which means you struck by not point not some percent more. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's he doesn't wink at the camera at all. Yeah. He, he he doesn't spike the joke, which like earlier Bashir, every joke he was always overplaying it. And I think like uh, you know, um, uh, Alexander Stig has said before, you know, including an interview with me. Uh, but he said like it's it, he he was still learning his craft when he started on on mm, Deep Space Nine. Yeah. It was one of his earliest acting jobs, and it's like certainly his biggest acting job to that date. And you can see him growing as an actor so much. I like I mean, it's a complete compliment. It's just lovely to see when he really yeah. hits pay dirt here. And then yeah, the so the tension with the alphas and the gammas. You've got like the gamma guy going, well, I know what Cisco's thinking because I'm so more experienced. Yeah. And then you've got Cisco mixing it with all of them, like <laughs> going around. Oh, so you're an alpha. You're oh. a gamma. Oh why, God, yeah. Why, why are you letting him talk to you like that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all the way through the uh, gamma. Um, previous alpha is there going like oh come on it's fucking what he's doing right there and like cisco doesn't yeah. need to have to hide it he can openly say it to the gamma because the gamma knows and he's going like yeah i'm, I'm going to totally drop you in, in a second the guy comes in and goes oh yeah he's been getting our way isn't that a bit of a nuisance yeah. you know it's like it just, it's, he's not even subtle about it because the guy is such yeah. a dick and we yeah. all have bosses like that, which is what's so wonderful about it. We know that you've had somebody who's come in, they've been high from the outside when everyone knows what they're doing and someone should have been promoted from within the ranks. Yeah. And they're a dick and they don't know what they're doing. You know, it's fine when they bring someone in who does add something, but, you know, it's just that useless middle management who thinks they're the shit. Yeah, it's almost like we've is. not we've not got a voter in this episode, but we still want to have fun with the bureaucracy. So let's yeah. have this new dynamic between the, the Jemadar. And the Vorto, which does show up on the view screen a couple of times, he's just so smug. It's like, oh, I create those alphas. They're going to be all over this. I don't think I need to yeah. be doing any shit right here. And he's just, it's his arrogance as well, which leads to the situation because he doesn't listen to anything but his new creation, which he's so wowed with. Yeah. Is it not often the case with the Vorta that it's the arrogance? Yeah. Yep. So the, the bit with the runabout then. Um, where they go through the conduit and the plasma and all of this, and they, they have I to ram to, it. I, I thought then you were off to actually say, well, it was because they went through a compression anomaly. 
Sorry, a compression. We've, oh. we've all seen one of them. <laughs> well, they are quite frequent. Yeah, it's just we've never had an episode. But um, yeah, so there's the bit where it pops out of like the shoot and we see it. Now, I really wish they played up the comedy of that. Like, if you look at the first Ant-Man film where they're fighting on the Thomas the Tank engines and you get this big dramatic bit where the trains bump into each other and then it cuts to real size and it just shows the train set just falling over. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we could have got a visual gag like that out of this, like have this moment where they're dramatically escaping from the plasma and then just cut to something where it, it just sort of goes out of a little, you know... And they sort of do that, but the I don't know the timing of it don't work. I feel like we could have got a much bigger laugh out of that. And I think I think maybe modern Star Trek would have committed a bit more to the bit there and got a bigger laugh out of it. But you know that that's been very picky. But I, I just feel like that could have been funnier. Maybe because it was such a comedic uh, concept, they wanted to have that kind of as more of a straight yeah, line. Yeah, you know, they didn't want to play the comedy. Yeah, I was about to say the same. I think it's it's actually played pretty much as a straight episode. It is. It's played as a comedic episode. I, I think because they know so much comedy is going to be mined out of it anyway. Yeah. You may as well. Yeah, like, and, and you want it to look, <laughs> I, I guess it's so when you've got the bit later on where basically what's happening is a little toy shooting lasers at the Jamadar. Yeah. I think they want that to play nicely so that it does invoke comedy, but you also believe it is a serious thing. Whereas if you play the comedy too much earlier, maybe it overshadows. Maybe. You, know, you know what? I am just not a subtle person if it's funny <laughs> i need it to flash up on screen at the start this is a comedy episode <laughs> and then i know i can laugh at it i'm good with um, this too <laughs> and i feel like they should have overdone it a bit anyway that's just my i think if you've got a silly little ship let's have a laugh with it but there we go fair play now, a bit that is funny is where they're following the Jemadar round, like flying behind his head. Well, I think that's first, quite good. Just before that, when they first in engineering and they come up, and they come up and something out the front window, the in front of a Jemadar looking at his face, and he doesn't bloody notice them. They fly off and then you get him with that. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, it's not that small. Like, no, you know, no, it's not. Like it's still sort of that size in front of you. Oh, you know what they should have done? It's another one that they should have done. They should have had a bit where they were like, we ain't got any weapons. And then one of them could have used the runabout as a phaser and held it. And they should have been, <laughs> they should have been like, Captain, you'll have to aim for us because we can't calibrate the sensors quick we, enough. Yeah, we can't. But we we'll can't. fire. We can't aim, but we can fire. Yeah, oh, and you could have had Cisco spinning round with the runabout and him going, fire, fire. That would have been, see, there you go. And you could have had, uh, like, then you've got um, uh, O'Brien there in the fight with, like, motion sickness. He's, like, bombing up, like, while <laughs> Julian's having to, having to jump on the weapons. Oh, yeah. it would a great time. You there was an earlier quite fun moment, uh, which we didn't mention. I do like it when, like, uh, Julian's kind of leaning back. He's, like, looking for the the uh, what the letters are. And he's like, mm. uh, Chief, you're not going to like this. It was just... <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good fun. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there are fun bits. Uh, I like the fact that when they're observing everyone, like O'Brien's like, right, I can see what the plan is here. Like, Nog's doing this, Cisco's doing this. Ooh, He's yeah. the only one who's actually you're, doing you're what the they're telling actual, him they're you're doing. Who's actually working his camera. <laughs> Do you think yeah, I really like that. Do you guys remember, like, um, I'll take you guys have seen uh, at least some of the Oceans films. It kind of reminded yes. me when they're going through the plan on that, but it's like obviously in real time in this case. Yeah. Yeah, that, that very, very much reminded me of that. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, it all wraps up pretty quickly, doesn't it? The goodies win. And um... I, I think that, like, I think there's a really interesting part that the juxtaposition between the alphas and the gammas mm. is you have the alphas sort of. They don't seem to have the same honour as the Gammas. Like, they won't do the... We swear yeah. allegiance to the founders with the white and all that. And then when you get the second, and he's dying, he's, been, he's dying, and Cisco says, he should have listened to you. If, you were you were right. You should have, he should have listened to you. And he went, if I'd still been first, you'd have been dead. But it, and he goes, well, why didn't you act on it? He goes, because I'm the second... And yeah. victory is his life. Him, he give the order. Yeah, he's still delivering. He goes, victory is. Yeah, and he just died. Wonderful, beautiful moment. Yeah, yeah. But it's that juxtaposition that even though he doesn't, how the gamers have read, even though he doesn't agree with what he said, he doesn't agree with his orders. He's mm. an alpha who's been a dickhead. Anything. Because he's a, only the second, he will still do what the first says because that's how he's bred to be. Yeah. But the Alphas don't seem to have that re- said reading. Because yeah, you, the... you even see it that one of the Alphas, the the sort of lower ones, has gone and side out the, the targeting on the phases, the weapons array, which makes sense, but he wasn't told to be doing that. And he goes, oh, well, I thought this had made sense. And he goes, yeah, well done. And he, instead of it's no, he should have been knocked down. Yeah. From, if he was a fourth, he should have become a fifth for not following orders. He should have been punished. And a gamma would have punished him for that. Yeah. Like you say, it's, it, they could have had more fun with this alpha and gamma there some, business. There were but... some really interesting things that they did between. If you look at the differences, you can, and that's why I think if they had gone with it, You'd have had it been the alphas that had turned on the Dominion. Yeah, I think you're probably right thinking about it. But I think either way, I mean, it's like hats off to the actors who are playing the uh, Gemadar in this this episode, both both on point in, in their own ways. I'd also like to give a shout out before we finish the episode, though, of course, that final scene. You've got O'Brien and uh, and Bashir having a lovely time chatting up the girls, like, you know, yeah. just regaling them with a story. Like, O'Brien obviously doing it for sport. He's not, you know, he's not trying to cheat on Keiko. But, um, and it's then no when you've got... Uh, him if he did. <laughs> you've got one of those rare moments where you've got um, uh, oh, Odo no. and Quark actually kind of having a joke together and they kind of... Well, yes. Like, but Odo plays it brilliantly how he does it because... Both of them. It, yeah, but Odo starts it because he just walks yeah. in and he sort of... And he just looks at them and he's like that until they notice how he's looking at them and he's... Yeah. Like, it, it, I think they could have played it wrong that they kind of like uh, were knowing about the fact they were buying into each other's joke, but it's like you just got Oda going for it and then Quark just comes up and goes, I'm having some of this and just joins in and yeah. then 
they have this lovely moment, which again, they don't have to <laughs> add a wink to it or anything. I like the fact it's quite clean. The fact that, um, yeah, he goes like, and they say you don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> and he just but, goes, well, huh. and that's just. But that's why Odo was the perfect one to play that joke on them because what? they all do gonna, think he's really serious. <laughs> I was, and I was going to say, it's like, it, it's. Um, it's one of the best moments before the moment happens when uh, he walks off from Quark at the end and Quark goes, it's like, that guy's loving me. It's written all over his back. Like this, yeah. mo- this is one of those moments which leads up to that, that moment. Like when, that pit, there's that, that one on the mountain. Yeah. There's certain moments which you can pick out, which shows how much they really at heart kind of yeah absolutely like when odo kind of uh, doesn't make the noise complete you know it's just all these little moments which when that moment happens in that last episode yeah it means so much because of bits like this and of course we get Worf's poem at the end of the episode which <laughs> this is a story. which shows shows this is his a story sense about one little ship that went on a little trip <laughs> and it's dax it's the kind of like Few seconds where Dax is there goes like um well and she doesn't know what to say then she uh, yeah, realizes she doesn't know if to yeah. laugh or not and then realizes yeah. he's taking the piss. <laughs> Beautiful. Which Beautiful. brings us nicely onto the next episode, which is mm. all about Worf and Dax, and, and also as O'Brien and Bashir is this, and also as uh, O'Brien and Bashir. In um, one of the weakest O'Brien Bashir storylines, I'm just going to say it. Well, I, I, I did not. I mean, yeah, there's still magic together, but. I don't mind the concept of the B-plot, but the fact that they just drop it halfway through the episode and it feels unfinished, it just it, doesn't... Yeah, It felt like they were like, uh, oh, God, oh, we need a B-story. Who have we got? Um, oh, we've got... Uh, <laughs> and we've got... Um, yeah, let's yeah, let's just like, write them into... Let's say they care about Tonga. And the thing is, in the first scene, which is beautiful, by the way, I absolutely mm-hmm. love... Like, I've got to say, I was kind of... Um, we first talked about Change of Heart... I didn't remember it very fondly. Quite a beautiful episode most of the way through. There's some bits which better than others. But I'm like, not the biggest fan of it. I think it's a bit... No, honestly, the story, a... the story, the the way that they play the uh, uh, love affair between uh, Dax and Worf and the scenes between them, I think, are beautiful. But in this first scene where they talk about Tongo, you have that lovely moment when he bets on, on Dax. Yeah. That kind of sets up the whole episode. O'Brien doesn't once act as if he gives a shit like he gives a shit mm. about the relationship stuff he doesn't like act as if like well that quirk's a bit big for his boots like if you're gonna have that be the main thrust of the b plot you have to say right up yeah why the fuck are, like he, he's right there and he doesn't mention quark once really in that exchange you're right because how well, good he is at tongo it does because Tonga, it's, but... it's, it says that he's he's, he's obviously being paid attention because yeah. he knows he's won 207 games on the on the bounce but what I'm saying is, he's, yeah, but he, he isn't saying that as if, like, oh, God, I hate him for winning all the time. Like, I wouldn't. No, he thinks it's really, really impressive. He's won 207 games on the bounce. Yeah. If and anything, that's why yeah. your brain finds it a challenge that he wants to beat him. I think that's very thin, your your justification there, sir. I, I think that's <laughs> right. very badly it, set up for the rest of the episode. It is very It would be nice if we'd have <laughs> yeah. had a bit where O'Brien had said, oh, Worf, I'm glad you're here. Right. Keep an eye on Quark because I'm convinced he's up to so you know, like you say, something or, or like, that. like Oh yeah, yeah, maybe maybe Dax is gonna win as opposed to like, betting against each other. Yeah, getting really bet. interesting. Like, even, he even bets on fucking Quark. He even bets on Quark. Well, he bets on Quark because he knows how good he is. No, no, but, but that's what I'm saying. It's like that doesn't make any sense to him wanting to take him down a peg if he's betting on him. Yeah, but he's also like, he's also taking a uh, Wolf's bet. 
It wants yeah. to get one over on one. I, 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 again, you, you, you're doing one thing or the other. If you're going to set up the later plot, I know, it, I know. I agree with you. It, it, I watching it, it, it does seem to come a bit out of left field. You like, well, the the Tongo story is with Dax, and then all of a sudden, it's oh, O'Brien has got to be in his bonnet about it. It does just yeah. seem odd. Yeah, he I could agree. have been in the game. You could have had someone else betting with Wolf and uh, O'Brien been in the game and being frustrated. Maybe some like maybe he comes yeah. in third somehow, or you know, last last. I don't know, but uh, I do like the bit where Wolf has almost like a battle cry where he's like, "Who Pamakai?" Yeah. He thinks that she's running there. He's there. I like my blood wine young and sweet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then then when he doesn't, O'Brien goes, malt, single, from the Highlands. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Can I also throw out there? He's an Irishman. Why isn't he after Irish whiskey? Come on. I I actually agree with you there. I agree. Should be Jameson's or Bushmills like Beatty's from the Highlands, you know. Despite my Scottish blood, I prefer Irish whiskey generally to Scottish whiskey. So I I am surprised. But that I think O'Brien I think O'Brien's character he should have been asking for an Irish. Yes, yeah, I yeah, agree. I mean, and again, Jameson's is huge a, a whiskey in, uh, with America, so they would know about it. It's not like it's yeah, not known to them. Yeah, no, yeah, good point. O'Brien should be drinking whiskey with an E. Yeah. yeah. Like in Shameless, where they'd go to the bar and order an E. I know you meant a different type of E. <laughs> I did. I meant um, <laughs> Yes, I know. So, um, oh, that's reminded me. Should have talked about this before the show, but, you know, pe- pe- people who know us know that we're prone to digressions. Oh, um, right. Fi- finally started watching that Cy Mandan that you're always on about, and it was one of his ones about the Mandela oh. effect. And um, just so you all know, Gordon Ramsay no longer exists because his surname is spelt Ramsay, not Ramsey. And it shows that our universe has transitioned to another universe and we've not realised because of the, the letter E. So there you if, go. If you're watching Simon Dan, you need to look at him. There's him and uh, Sir Sick and they keep doing videos on uh, a guy called Hans Wombat. And he doesn't believe things exist. And he does videos that animals don't exist. Oh, I see the guy, the birds don't exist, because I keep hearing uh, well, about that. Well, he's done uh, penguins don't exist. It's all all robots and CGI. And uh, he's, he's got some really crazy stuff in, that he comes out with that doesn't exist. <laughs> I will check it out. Anyway, back to Star Trek. My apologies. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, so they've got to go on this mission to the Badlands. And this is where we get the stuff about Worf being funny. And I do like the exchange where it's, I was considered very amusing on the Enterprise. Oh, that, yeah, I, I love the way he delivers as well. Very amusing, not like funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I like uh, I like that's his reply. Well, that must have been a very dull shit. And I'm not being funny, but if you watch Next Gen compared to DS9 and 
Voyager, and to an extent sometimes even Enterprise. Next Gen is the one that took itself very seriously. It isn't it? Did. This isn't very funny. <laughs> but they yeah. did such a good job of like uh, right from the beginning of the episode having Worf uh, evolving, being like more mm-hmm. like it, it, what what we wish he could have been in the next generation. You know, the potential oh, yeah. was there, but it was never realised. And the fact that he's not just being funny; he's being sort of funny in a Dax way, like well. In his own way, because he kind of does it very sardonically, but it's like he's winding Dax up in the way that she winds yeah. him up. So yeah. it's kind of playing out the own game, which is really nice. And like, even when she's goes like, we'll talk about this later, he's going, <laughs> and he's still laughing. And and he knows that she can't lose her shit because she does it to him all the time. It's, it's just so nice. And- even, even right at the beginning when he's saying, it's like, I'd rather lose betting on uh, Dex than uh, win yeah. uh, on anyone else. Like, yeah, it, yeah that's so unclean on, like, you know, I'd rather lose. Like, it d- doesn't matter for love, you know. And I know they're a very romantic race and they, they believe in love, but it's love through battle, kind of like, and, and mm. it's just so many kind of steps ahead in the character, well, which they don't to keep at the end, really. It's developing, a, like, DS9 did so much to develop Klingon culture. Yeah, more yeah. from what we'd ever seen before. Yeah, I mean, you had to have the, uh, I think, the groundwork, which Next Generation did well, but they didn't yeah. follow through with it as well, which Deep Space Nine, like you say, yeah, really do. Yeah, and that was largely, I think, down to Ronald D. Moore. He, was, he became like the Klingon guy on DS9 and really fleshed them out and everything. Although it was kind of badass that, the, you know, the uh, sign of dishonor was just folding around and turning it back on you. It's like that just somehow seems so cold. It's like, I'm not even yeah. going to admit you exist. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm turning my back. You no longer exist. Yeah. I, I, I won't even look at you. That my was hands, I, my, like, and it, that, like that with the Klingons, when they do that, it's like, I'm not going to offer you my hand in friendship. But you're not even worth me holding a weapon to you. You're right. Also, yeah. Also, when they turn their back, like that little kind of move with their legs, that that shows they're also nifty movers. They're good dancers. I'm telling you, even though Klingons may choose uh, not to dance, we do, if they were uh, ever on the dance floor. I'm sorry, but I want Strange New Worlds. I was going to say I, you're going to be up Strange New Worlds. I know that Klingons are good dancers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but I'm saying the police were always there. Like, that that. Little, Klingons really like Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> Reliably told. Kapla IO, Kapla IO. Um, yes, yeah, so they they have this whole thing about the honeymoon. Wolf wants to suffer on his honeymoon, but Dax wants a nice honeymoon, which it, yeah. I think she's been reasonable there. Oh, but she, yeah, he's I, I want room up. service. I want it outrageous. I want anything I ask for. I want the slightest wind. <laughs> but I'm saying yeah. the way that he goes, it's like, fine, we'll book that. I think he already, already was going to. It's, it, 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 yeah, it's I think he was. Yeah. yeah. So delicious. But it's I, like it, uh, it told him it's about little victories. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's right. He go, and, and that's his right. Here. She goes, you had the wedding. You planned that. You wanted the, the clean mm-hmm. wedding. I, this is the honeymoon. We are having this honeymoon. <laughs> and that's <laughs> the thing. I want, and, and you can't argue with that. No, but it all works out to Dax's advantage because she enjoyed having a Klingon wedding and yeah. now she gets to do the, the <laughs> bit that might have been more difficult to agree on. Um, yeah, then we go back to O'Brien wanting to learn Tonga. Um, 
they do that thing where they do this in a few episodes that they've got Bashir all geared up to do another Julian Bashir secret agent and we don't get to see it. And it's like, I would have rather we went on the holodeck and did another Julian Bashir secret yeah, agent because, for this B-plot. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you look at, at, like it is very contrived for the Tongo, which we've talked about. So you could have had them going off and doing somewhere else. And you know yeah. what, what? What were on the B plot? I actually would have really liked it. You know, when Quark uh, very skillfully kind of manipulates him, I would sort of like to. You could have built this up a bit nicer. So you could have had like almost Rom is uh, like or, or another Frankie, but Rom, you know, I think could have serviced in this role. He could have been the one who's trying to coach him to like win, like he's on mm. his corner the way yeah. uh, O'Brien's in Julian's, and then wouldn't have been funny if like when. Uh, Quark's trying to convince um, Julian, like, and and Julian starts making mistakes. If Julian goes, oh, but do you feel like this? And and like Quark starts asking questions himself, and he starts yeah. making yeah. mistakes. So they well, both use is... a third party. That would be so much funnier. This was so. This was any so other much... like. There's so this many times it. when I've seen. This is almost uh, season two or three. Bashir, not season yeah, right, six. You're right. Bashir. Well, he's, he's, he's moved past the dark thing. And season two or three writing as well, really. Like, it's, yeah, it's, they, they've it, done it, so much better with kind of more complex plots. Yeah. I think this was very route one. And the story feels like it's missing a final beat. Like, the, the mm. it feels like the story should have been that this happens. And then O'Brien takes Bashir aside and goes, don't you realize what he did? He said all that stuff about Dax to put you off. And Bashir's like, oh, I, I can't believe he, I can't believe I fell for it. And then... Bashir goes back and does something to manipulate Quark and it puts Quark yeah. off and Bashir yeah. wins. That yeah. it feels like that beat should have it, happened it, it, to, it, to the extent that when I got back got to the end of this episode when I was making my notes, I genuinely thought if I blacked out and missed the end of this B plot and I got Wikipedia open to see if this is actually how it ends yeah. because but it does, and it's about halfway through the runtime of the episode, and and that's the end of your B plot. It's just bizarre. Like I'll, it's I'll not leave. well paced. It's not well structured. It's not well integrated with the rest of the story. It's just like, odd. I'll add to that as and well. Where, where, how is Quark like? Other than Quark being uh, the nemesis for them, how has he actually realised in this? Like he's not really featured apart from just a mechanic of someone no. to beat. Bashir. Yeah, he has to be involved in the plot somehow for him to actually matter as a nemesis. In the you know, a nemesis I use in a very broad term, but you know what I mean. To be or the, even, the combatant, it, it, it's opponent. just from that one truck that bet that Quark, that um, O'Brien and uh, yeah. Worf had that. What well, uh, Quark has now won two hundred and seven games in a row, so I find it a challenge. The same as I go kayaking all the time down the same rocks. And I played that genetically enhanced. And, and I find that reason. Even if you don't have Bashir going back and beating him, have another beat that pays off and give Quark something to do. So, you know, mm. you could have Bashir after saying, well, you know, I get, I, I realise what you were doing, but you can't do that to everyone. How are you on such a winning streak? And Quark could say something like, well, Ever since Jadzia got married and I realised there was no point pursuing her, it's much easier to beat her also. And then you'd get a little bit of character for Quark. Like, 
Yeah, he's but moved he on from beat, this infatuation. He hasn't just beaten her, I know. he's beaten everyone. I know he hasn't, but you, know, not, but you could have, be, you could have played that in. You've just got to care about why he's doing it. Is the yeah. Thing. And I, you, you don't uh, care about He's not invested. He's not a... He, he is a an ancillary character when he's a main yeah. character. And, like, again... Why do we care that uh, O'Brien's beating him? Like, yeah, O'Brien wants a challenge, but why do we care? Why is uh, no, Clark relevant in this? There isn't anything. That, it isn't. No, there's not. It, it's like it's like, basically one of them Nog and Jake stories from season one, but with O'Brien and Bashir for some reason. But even then, you sort of cared about why they were doing because, like, it was kiddish scrapes. You know, there was so, like True. they're adults. Why are they doing this? They need a bit yeah. more motivation. <laughs> And a bit yeah, more reason why no... like, maybe Quark had come up to him and been a dick after the match and gone, it's like, huh, another win for me. Like, if he'd done that to O'Brien and that rubbed mm. him off the wrong way, they would at least give some motivation. But we don't... Yeah, a challenge isn't enough of a motivation. Yes, we know O'Brien likes challenge. He's my, married to Keiko, and the way they've uh, characterised her on this show, like, my, that's a challenge. Like, I think they even overplayed Bashir's uh, uh, genetically enhanced brain and all that in this, because... When he sits down and he goes, I don't even know the rules of Tongo. And Bashir hands him a pad and he, he goes here. And he goes, okay, let's play. And as if he's learnt it just by a glance. And it's like, no, that's nonsense. Unless it says something really easy, like play a card. But, uh, but like, yeah, I we do, know the I rules do, of Tongo I, I are do, quite complicated. Like you have to I, sell I, for a certain amount. And I then... do like how uh, sort of like when O'Brien and Bashir are practising. And O'Brien's convinced that he's going to go play this and Julian keeps going to him. No, Chief, you can't play Tongo. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, yeah then, you do yeah. not know how to play. And the being played is going, no, you can't play Tongo. Well, can I also throw into that, though? Because at the same time, they're saying that, um, oh, yeah, uh, Julian picked it up so quickly, like picked up in second. And then he's getting annoyed with O'Brien for not picking up with the same speed. Mm. Like, that doesn't really make any sense either. But if you're going to... Yeah, but O'Brien has said that he's played it previously, that he isn't just learning Oh, I it. thought he was just learning it now. No, he's, he, he says that he's played it previously. No, he's played before, oh, but he's he's trying to learn, like, the tactics and stuff like that. Uh, anyway, let's go back to the A plot, the main story. And, again, I just feel it's a bit meh. But, anyway, Worf get that that's quite a cute no, moment where you've got Worf being cold and not wanting to admit it. This is a warrior. <laughs> this episode threw me for a second because I was almost expecting the brain to come in that they'd get captured and I got the Ezri oh, and the Wharf one. Yeah, yeah. Mixed up for a second in my brain. <laughs> well, this is the one which um, Terry Farrell said. It's like, well, if they were going to kill me off in that manner anyway, why not just do it here? Like she yeah. said on record, you know, which because that's the thing I'm always <laughs> thinking of. It's like, this is so similar to how she dies in a lot yeah. of ways. It's just, it doesn't... It takes the sting out when she does that. Not that this isn't a lovely scene, but it's like the the method of why she dies. Just it's because it's not the finale, and they they would uh, because of a contract yeah, they would have. <laughs> yeah, but they oh, would have had to have paid her for however many episodes. like we're not killing you early. If yeah, you're gonna kill her for another ten episodes without doing anything. <laughs> if you're gonna kill her later in some way, I just think you don't do this plot now. But I loved I love the character stuff. Um, I loved a lot of about it, but my problem with this is it's sort of like it plays it so well throughout the episode and then suddenly it's like, Oh, then he's gotta go off. Now he's back again. 
it's just like that's not yeah. really played enough. And uh, I mean, you know, I, I even love the bit where they realize it's jammed up because they're hiding in the bushes and the camera angle goes a bit weird. Like, so you're mm. seeing from their camera angle. And even the fact that I, and I don't think this was intentional because it's just a thing of um, HGTVs playing uh, old episodes, but it goes went a bit grainy, which even added to that kind of like weird feel of it. And it was just, it was really nice and tense. Like, it's very rare that they play these moments. I think they've got handheld camera as well. It just yeah. does feel very tense. You do feel the kind of sense of jeopardy in a way which you don't in a lot of other episodes of Unfraid. Uh, and I think that's really nice to play. It's just the, the end of it. It's just rushed, it feels like. You know, I want, a, I want a longer moment when uh, Worf is having that moment of crisis. He has to and, deliberate or yeah. at least have him, like, you could have amped up the tension, like have him so he can see the Cardassian and he's nearly there, but then he's like, oh, I can't. Or yeah. Just something. I don't know. Whereas it's just, he runs a bit and then he throws his knife well, thing in the tree and then how, he goes we don't back. Even, we don't even know how far he's run because by the time he gets back, he's not even sure if uh, Judsi is still alive because she has to take a pulse. Yeah. Yeah. So it's obviously gone quite a distance, and he only had three kilometres to go, which I think Warp on his own being healthy, running through a forest in the warmth, which it was then, he could probably do that pretty rapidly. Yeah, I would have thought and so, yeah. Even give him a moment where it's like he gets to some sort of crisis point whereby he does reach them. He knows that if he's really quick, he's got a good chance of saving Dex. But then there's a crisis moment whereby something gets more complicated and he can either go ahead and complete the mission or say, yeah, that, it, like, needed some, it needed we, an obstacle yeah. that stopped him going forward. Yeah. It can't just be, he goes out and he goes, now nah, I'm going to turn back. Like, it, yeah, that's it. He, he needed to have a moment where he had to definitively make a choice. And yeah. because if he's going to do this, all it's doing is paying lip service to him saying, I'm going to go. Because he sort of goes, I'm going to go. Oh, I'm back. And it's yeah. like, yeah, no, you need you need him to have committed to one course of action and then had a reason to change his mind. Otherwise, yeah, he may as well have just said, no, I'm not leaving you. And that has the same impact as running around the houses, you know, the... I mean, if, if you even want to have a little bit of fun with it, you have that crisis moment and he goes like, uh, and he, he makes some sort of joke because he kind of shoots the Gemini, then runs back for Dax as opposed to running forward to the mission. Like, you know, like he goes like, oh, you know, the, the Gemini goes like, oh, so you're not a real warrior. Then he goes, no, I guess I'm just a man who loves his wife. And go like, you know, oh, just something wow. to add. Just, yeah, I know it's cheesy, yeah. but it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, it I don't add, know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know quite how you could have structured it, but yeah, it should but it looked, feel... Like, I mean, it's because like he does, he stories does... needed a bit, needed more. But he yeah. goes back and forth about a sense of humour, and like, if you wrap that up in it as well somehow, that it's like, he chooses to be, chooses mm. to be a bit funny before he then pegs it back for his wife, because he yeah. cares about her more than even honour, which he said earlier in the episode. I think that would have been a lovely bow on it. Um, so yeah, it's because it's, it, I do I mean, love this episode right until the end, and then it just loses me. You could have just done something really simple, like Worf's got a tricorder that's tracking Dax's life signs, and they take a bit of a dip, and he goes, no, that's it, I'm going back for a... And, you know, just something, I don't know. It would have given it better than it did, yeah. 
It, it couldn't have done that because it already established that the tricorders weren't working. And, and no, yeah, but you, you change it, don't you, so that they are. <laughs> and I feel like they're also at the end they're trying to create a, a tension post the end. It's like you know, really, the the end of drama is finished, and then you've got. Right. Um, uh, I do like the fact that there are some kind of consequences to career, but like when well, um, when this- Cisco says with no real, like I mean, it's 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 not. It's like watching it now because you raised this point, Jim, about like uh, yeah, yeah. You said you never make captain. But he goes, you probably won't make captain. Which yeah, I picked up on that than. this time um, because a lot of people cited this as, oh well, if they made him the captain of the Enterprise E, it's going back on what Cisco said. And you're right, isn't it? It's, they probably won't trust you with the command. Uh, I think about this. all those years the later, thing, all the changes the thing, which you made. Also, yeah. like Cisco goes. Uh, Dex and Worf had to be sent on a mission together. I'm not being funny, but in army, armed forces now, you don't allow siblings to be on the same ship on the same <laughs> mission. Yeah. This is nowadays. So why is all that changed? That suddenly have to remember that again in four, five, four. I mean, not I'm being funny, but in, in a lot of businesses, they don't let couples yeah. work together. Never mind, you know, yeah, even no, when you're not going is, to war. This is, this is something that they do now that you do not send, you don't send siblings, you don't send husband and wife, because there's an emotional element that can conflict. But if you think like hundred, if you think of hundred years, like um, how many hundreds of years in the future are they from us? So it's, is it? Four, five hundred years. So think of five hundred years from now, like four hundred years from now, for like previous to now. Yeah, these social mores and how strict they were compared to now. Like you know, there was a lot more kind of uh, strict boundaries than there are now. In another five hundred, like four hundred years, I believe that they could have changed so much that, especially when you're in a world where it's like. Um, you live more for the greater good than the individual. Maybe yeah, that and the idea is the tone that, of, of how you think about humanity yeah, does make yeah. it and the, like, the idea I, is that Daphne are that, the best of the best, so you yeah. should be able to put I, aside. I don't know that, uh, like even like the American Navy, and it's been since Second World War, do not let the same fam- any members of the same family yeah. serve on the same ship. Because the ship went down and four brothers died on it, so oh, I think there's good reason. Got four letters all at once. I think there's good reason, but I'm just saying that's uh, 50, 70, 100 years. No, but that's compared to four hundred yeah. years in the future. No, so I much agree. can change in that time to change but social could they have done something to give it a bit more emotional heft? Like Cisco says, oh, the information he had could have saved hundreds or millions of lives or whatever, but it it could have been quite good if you'd have had Cisco give him a casualty list and say this this depot's oh, just oh, been attacked oh, or so you know oh, that's a something bit much. like that. You st- no, I, I think that would have like landed it. You've still got to like Worf well, at the I, end. I, I still would like Worf at the end if that happened, but you know not Cisco being nasty, but just saying like, I'd have done fair, the same thing as you. But to be fair, Cisco does say that Cisco he does. does. I'd have gone back and said my wife. Yeah, but he I does. think him exactly then presenting I think it undercuts what you're saying there if you could present him with a casualty list. Yeah. Stuff. I, I think, think it's going back on, on his sentiment a little bit. And then he, yeah, well, no, take it even further. He should have given him a casualty list and should have gone, and now I'm going to show you a picture of this puppy that lived there. And he's going to go look at him, look at his little yeah. face. I know you don't like the Kardashians, but look at this. 
puppy that he had that they yeah. just at the same time. Just quickly, here's a picture of a kid. No, no, the kid isn't dead. Just its parents. Now that child's going to grow up an orphan thanks to you, Wolf. I hope you're happy. Yeah, in, but I would have done the same. I would have done the same. Hey, but I would have then faced this orphan child. Hey, Wolf had just gone, hey, I was an orphan. What's wrong with me? Yeah, I was an orphan. My son might as well be an orphan. Oh. It's absolutely fine. My, my son even more so than me, if anything. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, like, you, could just imagine, you could just imagine the conversation with Jadzia, can't you? Jadzia, children, have you seen what a job I did with Alexander? Do you yeah. really want them? And then... <laughs> but, that's I your, <laughs> you see, there you go. That's your payoff to the episode. You have Cisco showing Worf the casualty list, and then the episode finishes with Worf just goes back to the infirmary and he just chucks it on the bed next to Dax, and he goes, "That's your fault." Yeah, um, and and it now makes me just think of the uh, last scene between Dax and Worf when she does actually die, and she he's, she's going, "Our children would have been so beautiful," and Worf's like. And I would have shipped them off to my grandparents too. You know that, right? Yeah, I'd have had to take your word for it because I'd have never seen them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. It's so mean yet so deserved. <laughs> it is. He's not He's not a it's good not a dad. Good dad. And, this is, and this is proved. And you can argue that Alexander's not the greatest son, but that's not the point. Yeah, but um, how, how much of a chance did he have with the dad he had? Well, very true. Right, we'll we'll wrap it up there then. Uh, oh, next week we've got some good ones. Oh, actually, it's, what, it's awkward. I need to talk to both offline. It is awkward because we've I got. Think we a, might have to do one that isn't the Minion War. We may have to. We'll hold off the reveal of the upcoming what? episodes then because we we've got an unusual situation coming yeah. up. And we have something in two weeks we were going to do a little special thing as well. We do. So, yes. So, it's yes. Special. But we, we will be back next week. We just have to work out some scheduling. We're so professional. Yeah. Um, in uh, the meantime. I think Ian has some scheduling before next week. Oh, go on then. Well, I, want... I thought I was going to wait. I will do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, in the meantime, Slip. we're at Retrek Pod. At RetrekPod on your Twitter X's, uh, RetrekPod at gmail.com. And we're on all of the socials, including Retrek Model Studios, where Elliot is now. Tell us what you're now working on, Elliot. Well, well, since we were last here, I've had the final two videos of the Mobius subs, so check them out. The last one, I've included a photo gallery at the end, so you can see what the sub looks like all lit up and all the internal surfaces. So I'm really happy with that. Uh, and then I've started on the Supernatural Impaler, or hey. Impalers, because I'm working on two of them. Uh, I've put the first video out on that, and I also did a nice, fun little short that's uh, only about 10 seconds long that shows how to cut um, plus doors out and everything on the car model really quick. Excellent. And then Dr. Squee, we've got the Dr. Squee show. What have we got going on there? 
Well, first of all, uh, we've just had an, uh, an interview I had with uh, my buddy Lizzie and uh, our friend Mac talking about the Better Social Club on the 15th of December. If you're around Wales, please do pop by. Uh, it's going to be an event for charity, raising money for Mind and Ronald McDonald House. It's going to be a wonderful event. Raffle, uh, Matt Lee's band's playing. Um, just going to be a wonderful night. Please do make your way down if you're in the area. But... Coming up in the next three weeks, we mentioned it earlier, it's Doctor Who's 60th anniversary. We couldn't be more excited. And I, I am wearing the proper wear. Like, uh, I, have, I have revived not only the hoodie of the Gallifrey Sands podcast uh, with our beloved Tai He right there, RIP, uh, but also we're going to be bringing Gallifrey Stands back for three special episodes. We're going to be talking about like, uh, it's sort of the Dr. Squee show presents Gallifrey Stands podcast, but we're going to be talking about the three specials of Dr. Who, which are coming up in the next three Saturdays. So uh, this Sunday at 10 o'clock, we're going to do the first one. I'm going to do it on Sunday for the first two weeks and then the third one, hopefully we're going to set up. So it's going to be right after the episode. Uh, but the, for the first one, I can be more excited. I'm welcoming my buddies right here from this here podcast. We've got Elliot and James joining me to talk some Doctor Who. So, come on. You, you've heard us talk Star Trek. Now talk, hear us talk about Doctor Who as the 14th Doctor returns. Well, comes for the first time, but David Tennant returns for the first David time. David Tennant since returns. The 10th Doctor. Come on now. And I have to say, well, I messaged you and said the same thing, but... Just that little children in need sketch felt more like Doctor Who than it's felt in I don't know how long. And yeah, I'm really excited for this episode. So, yeah, I am. Please join us on Facebook on uh, so uh, facebook.com uh, slash uh, the Doctor Squeeze Show or on my personal Facebook, I'll probably link in, and uh, youtube.com slash drsquee or drsquee.com. You know what we could do as well, actually? we If you send me the audio, we can put that on the retrack feed since it's the yeah. the three of us. We can put it out as a, a podcast on the, on the retrack feed. But please join us this Sunday at no, join us live. UK time. If you're in the States or if you're watching us uh, elsewhere and you don't, you're not there at the time, don't worry. You can still check it out afterwards. You just go to the YouTube page or Facebook. It'll be on there uh, for you to catch up with later because we understand some people might be catching up with the episode later. But I just want to talk about one that's fresh uh, because this is so exciting to me. I remember watching Dog 2 as a little kid and I've been watching it ever since. And um, it's really exciting to to get to talk to, my, to, uh, to you guys about it and to talk to my buddies here, yeah. uh, uh, Jim and Elliot. It's going to be wonderful. Brilliant. And uh, we'll be back with more Star Trek. We haven't decided exactly what yet, but we will be back next week with more. So thanks for trekking with us this time. We will see you next time on the retrack. Thank you. Goodbye. Drag off an LLAP. Fascinating.